We continue this season of parables. Every uh, Sunday, it seems, we have a different appointed gospel text that features a parable of Jesus, and Matthew 22 is our current one. And as a parable, of course, Jesus uses parables to teach the crowd something about God and speaks to them in, in images that would be familiar to their daily life. In this parable, I have to say it's a really strange one in many ways, but features some uh, familiar imagery. So that one of the key images that, that speaks to eternal life or a heavenly realm is the idea of a wedding banquet. And we've all hopefully had the opportunity to attend a wedding, family weddings or weddings of a friend's or maybe your own wedding, and it's just a joyous celebration with great food and drink and mostly the people that are gathered, and it's a time to celebrate love when people find that in each other and families uh, joining. And so this parable that Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who throws a wedding banquet for his son. The invited guests have the date. It's chosen ahead of time. There's sort of that invitations has been sent, and on the day of, the, the king uh, reminds everyone, and people say, well, I'm not going to go. And then the king sends out servants saying, yes, the party is ready, and it's the best kind of party. The, the food is going to be great, only the best food and the best music and a celebration. Please come. And upon that invitation, they still resist coming. In fact, it says some went back to work or back to their farm, and then others took the servants who were sent to invite the people, beat them, and killed them. And then it proceeds. Again, the king says, well, if they're not going to come, well, you know, this is where it gets a little disturbing, particularly if we say in a parable, we try to assign that the king must be a stand-in for God because it gets a little dark. Because then it says, then the king was enraged. He killed everybody and burned down the city. Then it says, now go out and find and just include everybody. I'm like, well, who's left? If you killed everyone and burned the city, who's left to invite? But it said they invited everyone and all came. And you're like, okay, well, that's good, at least... This is a metaphor, a parable is saying something, that in the end, all people are invited, except if you wear the wrong thing. Imagine for just a moment that you get a last-minute invitation to come to a party on Saturday night, and you show up on Saturday night, and no one told you it was a costume party. And he gets kicked out, and it says he's not only kicked out of the feast, but he's thrown into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not good. So this parable that Jesus is telling, there must be more going on. And I think there's a lot we can say about it. And I think Jeff was right to point to the larger context. This is about Jesus' ongoing engagement with the religious leaders of his day. But he's also speaking to the trajectory of how God has interacted with people. There's a special relationship that God made with the people of Israel, the covenant relationship. They're called uh, to be God's people, and sometimes they didn't do a very good job of living into that covenant, following the commandments. And so 
perhaps the second invitation is when the prophets come and they say, here's what those commandments mean in your day, and here's how you can follow them, and, and please be attentive to God's word and be in relationship with God, and that doesn't always work, till eventually God, of course, sends Jesus. Jesus himself comes and shares God's word, and in the ongoing uh, part of Matthew, we see that the religious leaders of Jesus' day did not acknowledge that he was the Son of God. They did not listen to his teachings. And so there's, a, there's an element here of the end times kind of final judgment as the only way I can make sense of it uh, with this particular parable. But it does have some, some images that are not uh, great. And so we can just wrestle with that and live in the tension of that. But I think the bigger point that I would want to make as we look at this parable is very simply that God sends for us again and again and again. If this parable is speaking to how God interacts with humanity, what we see is not only were the crowds invited, you know, that they were invited uh, once, they were invited again a second time, and then a third time. And it's right on your outline, you can refer back to that. But the idea that again and again and again, after being turned down and rejected, God's invitation, God sends messengers, servants, whatever we want to say, again and again and again. There is no amount of refusal on our end that will keep God from inviting us, to sending God's love and grace, God's invitation to us to become followers of Jesus, to receive God's amazing love and grace and be transformed by it. There is no end to the invitation that God gives for us. Whether it's something you've been following your whole life or whether it's at the very last breath, God never gives up on anyone. God's love for you is unconditional and endless. And will we come to the party? That's really what this, is, this parable points us to. If you're invited, and you all are invited, will you come to the party? The music is great. The people are wonderful. The food, everything is festive, and there's so much joy. This is a vision of heaven, a banquet, a celebration filled with love. Will we accept that invitation? And yet a second part of this is also the reality that Paul speaks about in Philippians. That yes, we, we have that promise, that eternal promise. It's going to be great. It's going to be a banquet. It's a celebration, a party, and all the people will be there in our best selves. But we also live this side of heaven. Faith is not simply an evacuation plan where we say, I have Jesus in my life, so I guess I don't need to care about any of the stuff in the world. Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians, was writing to a community that had conflict, that had challenges, in a world filled with it. And we don't have to look back into Scripture to find conflict and trouble. We have it in our world, whether it's in the Middle East or in Ukraine or in our own neighborhoods. We see death and destruction and despair all around us, and sometimes we can get so fixated on those negative things that we lose sight of our heavenly promise 
and God's presence with us here and now. So the invitation is to that great big party, that holding on hope that that will be our eternal destiny. But we're also invited here and now to live in grace, to live in grace. And Paul kind of gives a formula for how to do that in Philippians. So I want to take a look at those, that passage once again. And we talked about it with the children. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. To find joy, to experience joy. Joy is a gift of the Spirit, but to have that joy, to rejoice and to seek joy in your life always, not just when it's merited. We don't just want to have joy when we're happy, but to find joy even in the struggle. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry, this is really important, do not worry about anything. This is an aspirational prayer. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, so instead of worrying, instead of fixating on the things that could or are going wrong, and I tell you, I tend to like to get my negative stuff focused on all the things that could go wrong, and then we invent hypotheticals of the things that could go wrong. So instead of doing that, Paul says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So pray. And it's almost, if I could translate Paul, he's saying pray in advance. And what I mean by that is you say, Lord, I know you're going to hear me and I know you're going to respond, so I'm already praying with thanksgiving because you've got it. And we can pray with that with confidence because we already know that Jesus has won every battle. Jesus has conquered death and the grave, and that is a promise for us. So yes, whatever you're struggling with is real, but we can take it to the Lord in prayer. And Paul goes on, and so it kind of gives us a formula. Uh, goes on from there, to let your requests be named to God and the peace of God. So what, is, what happens when we give things to God in prayer? The peace of God comes upon us, a peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, think about a time when you've struggled, a time of your life when life was just so much to bear, and finding peace or contentment in that moment. It defies human understanding. It's beyond our capacity to articulate that why can I feel so calm? Well, it's because the wedding banquet has We've been invited and we get to go. So whatever we're struggling with here and now, in light of that, we can get through it. To have that peace, to know it in our heart, and to let it guard our hearts in Christ. And then Paul goes on from there and he says, okay, if that doesn't work, if never worrying and just praying and living in peace doesn't work, here's an alternative. And I really love how Paul frames this because it's sort of going right to our mindset so instead of worrying and being consumed by all the things that, are, that w- are negative or possibly bad in our life, he says, think about the good things. Or as Grandma used to say, count your blessings. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, if there's excellence in anything, uh, he goes on from there. Uh, think about these things. Think about those things. 
Don't think about the negative things. Think about the positive things, the things that bring us joy in our life, the things that are good. If you find yourself going to that path of negativity, think about the good things and bring it to God in prayer. It sounds very simple, but it's hard to do. Living in grace is our invitation on this side of heaven, knowing that things are not perfect, knowing that we face challenges and difficulty. Living in grace and the grace that has been given to us by God who continually sends for us, that invites us over and over and over again, pours out love on the cross for you, for me, and for the entire world. The party's going to be great. All of you will be there. All we have to do is accept the gift and live in God's grace, trusting in the promise and knowing that it makes all the difference. See you at the party.